0: thirsty Jesus has come rivers of living water he that believe scripture has said so in looking at this first chapter and also a few other chapters related to Ezekiel's visions I don't think I'm going to be able to finish it this week. We're going to continue probably next week and touch on things that we don't touch on tonight. I must say I feel very inadequate in teaching this, but we'll glean from it what we glean from it. So last week we dealt with the first four verses, and we'll go back and start in verse 4. He says, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north. Now, what does that represent? The whirlwind coming out of the north? And the Lord's judgment related to the Chaldeans, who were the Babylonians, coming to judge as he sees in the vision, and we'll we'll see as we continue on with the book. A great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself enfolding itself, and brightness was all around it, and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. You know, what a thing to see. Verse 5. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. So Ezekiel uses this word likeness about 15 times uh, in this vision. And the word likeness means similitude, it means resembles, what resembles. Now, he's not saying that this is what it is. This is this, this is this, this is this. Now, we'll see a description of what he sees. But as he continues on, and you'll see this in this first chapter especially, you will see this word likeness, likeness, likeness. Uh, He continues to use that word. And hold your place there. Go to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now, there are other people in the Bible that have seen the glory of the Lord. There are others who have been, as we'll see here, caught up. Uh, in John... In Revelation, he uses this phrase, and I, I was caught up in the spirit. Paul says, verse one, it is doubtless not profitable uh, for me to boast. I will come to visions, where he's saying here that now we're going to talk for, uh, for a moment about visions and revelations of the Lord, and then he, he speaks as I know a man, a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. So Paul did not even know if he was in in the body or out of the body when he saw this. And so Paul, of course, he's talking about what happened to him. He was caught up to the third heaven. And, you know, can we relate to what he means when he says the third heaven? What about the first and second? So, so there is something there that Paul has seen. There's something that uh, he has heard. Verse uh, 3 And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Again, he mentions that how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words uh, what's it say in the king james unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter or it's it's not uh, what's the how does the amplified say that it's not permissible permitted to it's not permitted for man to utter. So Paul sees something and hears something, and what he sees and what he hears, he says, I'm not even permitted to repeat it. I'm not permitted to even say it. I'm telling you this much. I'm telling you this, that this, this man, he's speaking of himself, was caught up into the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body. He says, I do not know. And he saw things that he could not even probably describe, or maybe he could describe it, but he's, he wasn't permitted to even talk related to what he heard. So you have Ezekiel. If you compare, and I, I did this, you compare Isaiah um, 6, you compare Revelation 4, and you compare Ezekiel one, uh, and also in Genesis, one of the things that you will see is that Isaiah, excuse me, that Ezekiel here has a more detailed. Um, he he expresses more in his vision in detail than any of the others. Now when you come to John, and we might actually look at that later, when you come to John, he, he sees uh, the creatures, the living beings, and then he sees the setting around the throne. And probably because of what he's seeing there around the throne, that the Lord doesn't have him focus in here as uh, Ezekiel does on the living beings. But yet he's focusing on uh, the whole setup there, so to speak, from the center uh, where God sits, and out from that, the, the twenty-four elders, and then out from that, you know, you see all these different things, and it, it goes out. Actually, people don't see that. All they see is just, you know, what uh, John sees as far as the center there. But there is. As he goes on, there is a movement out from the center. So that's something a little different. But here in Ezekiel, he goes on and he says that he sees, what he sees is the likeness of, that's a very important thing to see, the likeness of these living creatures. And that can be translated as living beings. So we're not going to go there, but in um, Ezekiel 10... He identifies who the living beings are. He calls them cherubim or angelic beings. They're cherubim. And you'll see that also uh, in some of the other uh, divisions in the other places I was telling you about. The cherubim. So he begins in verse 6 to describe these living creatures. Now, this description that he gives... Of course, it's to give us some visual, uh, I guess, visual um, setup of that, but that's not what it's given, it's not given for us to delve into what these creatures look like. I believe it's given for us to see their nature and the function of them, because Whenever you go and you compare in Revelation, Revelation has a different order, and we're going to see that next week. There's a reason why there's a a certain order here, and a certain order of the faces in Revelation are different. Yet, you have the same basic thing. But when you come even to the eagle, John doesn't call it an eagle. He says a flying eagle, and that word's in the Greek, flying. So there are differences And here we're going to see, hopefully, as we go on, the nature. We need to see the nature of what he's describing and their function. Their function is going to be critical for us to see, to understand certain things related to us. Now, as we continue, we'll look at the different faces, and I'm going to take them and relate them to scripture-related, and relate that to man, and then take it back to where it is related to the living beings. So in uh, verse 6, each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. And I mentioned last week that uh, the other visions talk about six wings, and there's a reason for that. But here we're going to look at this maybe next week. Uh, They have four wings. Um, So this word here in in Hebrew that's uh, translated living creatures indicates or means that they are alive, that which is alive. Actually, the word creatures is, um, is not what it's really saying. Now, if you look at the Hebrew, it's... It's saying living, living. It's not saying living creatures, but they were creatures. They were angelic beings. So, you know, we translate that uh, in English as living creatures. But a better translation would be those who are living. So he sees those who are living here. for of for those who are living. Now, when you stop and you think about what man now today Thinks is life and and calls living is so far removed from what living and life truly is. So, you know, you can turn on TV and you see portrayed on some uh, beach in the Bahamas, you know, somebody there in a hammock and they have a beer and they're, or they're sitting there, two couples, you know. And now this is life. You know, your, your feet you know, in the nice warm waters of the tropics. This is life. This is living. Or living is having a huge $10 million home, you know, with indoor swimming pool and an outdoor swimming pool and this and that and the other thing. And man has this idea, you know, if, if I only could retire when I was 40, That would be living. It's all these ideas of what really living is. But when you come and you see this, Ezekiel sees these living beings and they are portraying what true living is to what even Christians don't really sometimes understand what true living is. True living is, is not what you want to do, where you want to go. I want to take four vacations this year. That's not living. If you see the function of the living beings, you will find out something and you will learn what is important and you will learn what true living is. Living isn't doing what you want, your most favorite thing in the world to do. And then you go ahead and you do it, and then it, it come, it's gone and it, it's done. It's like it doesn't really, I mean, you like it, but it doesn't satisfy something deep down within you. See, because that's not life. That's not living. So, so walking with the Lord, I mention that all the time. I use that phrase. If you walk with the Lord and you understand what that really means and your life Is taken by the Lord and he he uses you here, here. You know, he just he he feeds others with the bread of your life, you know. And you, you have this this great satisfaction, and that is because you are living, you have experienced what true living is. So he says here in in verse six, each had four faces. Each had four wings, and he continues on in verse 7 and begins to describe them. But this this living, 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 in Psalm 119, it says this, Revive me, the psalmist says, revive me according to your word. Revive me. Romans says this, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also Quicken your mortal body. And that word quicken means make alive. So yes, we have life in the physical, in the natural, but when the Spirit of God quickens the body, that's even something different. It infuses the individual's body, even though your spirit is living, it infuses your body with life, and you're quickened to do some particular thing in the will of God, whatever that may be. You you go on the mission field, and I'll tell you, sometimes it's exhausting. But when I went last time, I was teaching for two, one, three. I was teaching five hours a day. And, I mean, it, it was kind of, I felt the weight of it. But it was like I was quickened to do this. The Lord quickened me. And not that I always felt, you know, lift up. But it's just I had what I needed constantly to go. And when I felt like I was just running out, it's like the Spirit of God would just, as I, as I went, would just quicken you. So there's something there, see. He quickens your mortal body. So to truly live, I believe, in the Scripture means... To be revived by the Spirit of the Lord. When you are revived by the Spirit of the Lord, you will be living a true living life. And I I go to the jail. I've mentioned this all the time. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like, when the Lord has something for you, and you walk through there, and you you end up moving in whatever it is the Lord has for you. It's amazing because I've never felt more alive in in doing certain things, in you know ministering certain uh, truths. You know, you go and then the Lord starts to give you certain things, and right then and there, it's like whoa, here it comes, and it's like it's wonderful. It's life. That's what life is. Life is is more than just getting up, going to work, coming home. No, I understand we have to work. I work. But I want to be full of life. I want to be living. And to be living means that you are moving in a direction and you are doing that which God puts before you to do, whatever that may be. Verse 7. So he's describing here, we're going to continue, and he's just describing these living beings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. Now remember, the Spirit of God here is revealing forms that portray truth that we need to see or those, those who serve him need to see. So he talks about a calf's foot. And if you look in the scripture, you'll see a calf is, is used in different places and for different reasons. You have a calf as far as sacrifice, yes. But you see the ox, we're going to be moving into verse 10, where it talks about the ox, the face of an ox. And an ox was used to tread corn and wheat, and one of the things you see related to an ox is it's a service animal. They serve. You know, you hook them up in a yoke, and they would tread the corn or tread the wheat, or they would hook them up to a cart, and they would continue on and pull the cart and and do service. Remember that Joshua, it says this, that he was the what of Moses? The servant of of Moses, So it's good to be a servant, you know. I don't mean just a servant of the Lord, yes, but I mean servant to others. So their feet were straight, and the color was like polished brass. Turn to Revelation chapter 1, one verse. Revelation 1, you'll see the similarity here. Verse 15. His feet, this is speaking of the Lord, his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. So you see the similarity there uh, of the feet of the Lord and the feet of these creatures. And these this feet of these creatures being uh, like calves' feet that sparkled. Their legs were straight, their, their feet were like calf's feet, like the color of burnished bronze. The feet represent, I believe, the movement, the going forth, the, um, the the readiness to serve in the purpose of God. So, where a man's foot may be sore and find a problem going a long, 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 long distance, whereas The the hoof of an animal will just continue on and on and walking and walking and walking and continue to serve and pull and pull and pull. So the likening there, as I see it, is of this serving, serving, moving. Ephesians says this, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You, you, your feet. The targum which is an Aramaic translation of the Hebrew Bible, says this, the soul of their feet, for this is for Ezekiel 1, 7, the sole of their feet, as the sole of the feet that are round, and they moved the world where they went, speaking of these, these creatures. Now verse 9, let's go to verse 9. Their wings, not that, the creatures did not turn, when they went, but each one went straight forward, so each went straight, there was no turning, now this is talking about the direction that they were pointed, they went straight in that direction, there was no turning to the left, there, were no, there was no turning to the, the, the right, and each face represented a certain characteristic that we're going to see very shortly that would move in the purpose of God. So there is a a trotting, there is a walking, there is a, the sole of the foot that is moving in a direction to fulfill the purpose of God. And that's not unlike... Us, we need to be the same, the same, moving in the purpose of God, moving in the will of God. Now, back up to verse 8. The hands of a man were under their wings and on their four sides, and each of the four living beings had, four, uh, had uh, faces and wings, or four faces, now, what do the likeness of these faces convey to us? Well, that's what we're going to look at. Verse, I have this written down here wrong, but it's verse 10. The first one says, as, the, as for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Now, if you go and you look that Hebrew word up, that is Adam, a." D A A M or Adam. See, Adam was created in God's image. Remember that Adam was not just a physical being, but he was created with a spirit, a soul, and a body, just as God. He and of course he had other godlike characteristics. Whenever God created him, so there was whenever. Uh, God first created him before he sinned, there was a divine nature in Adam which is expressed here in the living beings, in the living creatures. See, the glory of God was to emanate out from Adam. Now, you see this same thing with the children of Israel. The children of Israel, it says in the Old Testament, they were to... uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but they were to uh, represent, or I believe the word is testimony, they were to be a testimony to the nations around them. So they were to see, the nations around them were to see, in some measure, the glory of God because they were God's people and, and so on, but they never really were serving the Lord, And so that whole thing never really, you know, went out from their lives, from, you know, the country for the most part. But Adam is the same thing. He was to to actually be one who emanated the glory of God. So the face of the man was to express just like the face of the man here, Uh, your Face your inner man. See, you are to express the nature of God. How are you to express the nature of God? Well, in love, in compassion, in godly desire for others, for mankind, uh, to hunger for righteousness, and so on. So in, turn to Romans 12. Listen to what Paul says, verse nine. Let love be without hypocrisy. Now he's he's explaining here. He's saying certain things, but uh, remember that men are going to see you as a representative of God, whether you're acting right or if you're if you're not act if you call yourself a Christian and you're not acting like a Christian, they're going to see that representation. And I've heard this so many times. The one individual I worked with, he would praise the Lord, praise the Lord. He would sing a song and everything right on the work floor. And then a half hour later or so, he's, he's, he's screaming and swearing at someone. So what kind of expression is that? See, that's not the expression of, of God. That's not the expression of the divine nature. But people are seeing that, and they're trying to connect the two. And they're saying, he's a hypocrite. Well, yeah, he's a hypocrite. They're saying. Then they say, all Christians are hypocrites. Well, that's not true. But what they're seeing here is not the proper display of what should be there. So Paul is saying here, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. You see this. You see he's telling them certain things because they are to express the divine nature. And just by doing these simple things is going to help that to occur. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. I like that. That's a pretty good thing to to learn, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. There's another good one. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath um, for it is written Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, if he thirst, give him a drink, for in doing so, and so you heap coals of fire. But the point here is that as you do that it becomes almost like second nature. You know, you just you just do this. Not that you think about it all the time. You just you're that way. That's what you are. And now you you'll be able to represent the Lord uh, in a in a way that more correctly, or more accurately displays who He is. So, the face of man. I guess we could say can refer to other things. For example, intelligence. It can refer to um, understanding, which is, is good. Uh, it, it As I said, it re- refers to expressing the nature of God. So th- there's one aspect of one of the faces of the living beings. The next is the face of a lion. So the lion, maybe I should put that on the board. Should I put that on the board? Yes? Now, the face of a the man, I, there's just so much. I mean, it's not just intelligence. Understanding. And not just understanding with your mind, an understanding of the things of God, understanding of the purposes of God. See, you have been given, because you walk with the Lord, you have been given understanding and insight into certain things. So you can see something many times and you know what it is. Where did that come from? It didn't come from your old nature because you would have never thought that years ago. But because you're walking with the Lord, he's able to give you an understanding of certain things. And this is what I was talking about. Express. I'll capitalize that. Expressing the divine nature of God. See, that's for us. Okay, now the face of a lion, I would say. that a word, kingship? I think it is. Dominion. Dominion over all opposition. Now, as related to Ezekiel, you know, the Lord had to put in his heart, so to speak, the face of a lion because he had to deal with these people who were hard-hearted, rebellious, who were coming against him, who wanted to hear the false prophets and prophetesses and not hear him or the word of God or anything that he was saying. Uh, and so the Lord um, somewhere in here says about he's going to harden his face, I think, is the, is the phrase he uses or something to that effect. Um, so when you look upon their faces, don't let that bother you. So he's going to be able to be almost like a, like the face of a lion in the midst of all this opposition. And he's going to reign, have, have kingship over all the ungodliness that is being poured right at him. And all the sin and everything that's going to come out of these people, he's just going to reign right over it because the Lord is working in his life in such a way. He's making him as a, as a face of a lion, which is Really nice. Really nice. And another thing I, I would have to say would probably be the key thing here that the lion represents strength. You know, they're called the king of the, the jungle. That's for a reason tremendous strength. Uh, you, you see these, some of these uh, nature movies, and a, a lion, they, they weigh around 500 pounds or so. And they'll just come and they'll just jump on an animal, and knock them right down. They're done. So uh, there's quite quite a bit of strength there. Next is the face of an ox. This would be, I don't know if if I I guess it would be a word, servitude. Servitude a word? I think it is. If if I put a word up here, it's not a word. Don't worry about it. (laughs) This is this is I'm putting I'm putting I'm putting words in in the likeness of something. (laughs) So an ox is a symbol of servitude, <laughs> hard working, and, and so on, active. And who can tell me wh- something about an ox? Can you tell me, how does an ox differ from a cow? Anybody? See, we're not into farming. We don't know a lot of stuff. We're city folk. <laughs> oh <my laughs> cow for oh, food and an ox oh. for working. yeah. yeah. Okay, that's true, Horns. huh Horns. That's another good point. yes what's that Jacob as <laughs> strong as an ox, as an ox. <laughs> well, see that they would they would take an ox and they're going to use it for working, and what they normally would do is they would castrate the animal, and what that would mean would would be. That over a period of time, they would lose all sexual desire for a you know, cow. So, so what does that say? That here, when you look at the ox, the ox is moving in a direction. And it's not being pulled aside by any, any desire, no matter how strong it may be. It doesn't do anything to that ox, because that ox is, is going in the yoke. He's going to move this direction. And, and he's he's going to be a servant now to those who, you know, have put the yoke on him. And that, that ox is going to continue in that way. And so that is a picture of how we are to be, that we're going to go in a direction and nothing's going to change. The, well, you know what, I, I'm going to go to church, but I can't because... The stewards are playing, and i got to go up to the stadium because that's where my desire is. I can go to church Sunday evening with, 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 a, with an ox who's ser, servant, serving, servitude. That desire is not in the picture. They're going to go and do what they're supposed to do, and these other things are out of the way. They're, they're done. They're, it's over with. There's, there's no going back. There's no change now. You can't go back and redo it. It's done. Serving. It. And the living creatures serve the will of God. Nothing else. Going in the direction of their face that they're pointing. <coughs> Serving. Getting down whatever needs to be done. No turn to the left or the right. There's no such thing. There's no rudder. Nothing like that. They go straight forward. So the Lord shows you something, whatever that may be. And he wants you to move like that, that you're going to move forward in that, no matter how difficult, no matter what the load may be that you have to pull. You have to trust the Lord. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, there you are right here in the yoke beside me. I didn't even know. it. I thought I was pulling this thing by myself. No, he's there. You go as a servant, you move, you keep on going. Not to the left, not to the right. You have this goal in front of you. Paul says, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, there was a mark there, and he was pressing toward that. It doesn't matter what's going on. Forget about the desire for this or that. You know, Anything that's going to pull you away from that. No, it's okay to do things. I always say that because you can't can't get crazy and say, I'm going to be a monk. Climb up on some pillar and and live up there. But as far as what the Lord has placed in your hands to do, you need to say, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to move in that way. And and you start to move. And trust him that he's going to be there to help you. And you trot on, you trot on. There you have the the hoofs, the hoofs like like a calf. Keep on going. You can keep going. They're not going to split. Your feet aren't going to get blistered. You can keep on going, and you can go, and you can go. There's no stopping. There's no stopping. Like someone just said recently, "Well, we'll rest when we die. (laughs) That's about it for us older people. Younger people, all kind of energy unchanneled energy many times. So when you get a little bit older and the energy you expend, you know, you have to be a little more particular with it. So what am I going to spend my energy on? Well, hopefully if we do this, that, and the other thing, that we still have the energy to do what it is that God has before us to do. But sometimes you know, we can Expend our energy in other things and not be able to do what the Lord is showing us to do. And um, I mean, like, I've done this for years. I've done this for 27, 8 years. Work during the day, come home from work, I come in the house, take a shower, I might lay down for 10 minutes, get up, I'm in my study. Uh, and Linda calls me. Dinner's ready. I eat dinner. Sometimes I take, like I did t- today. I took it in there, sat there and ate while I was, you know, looking at certain scriptures. So you know, the Lord, you know, if you're going to do that, you're going to, you know, go in that way. It's not to say you're not going to get tired, but the Lord will help you and He will quicken you when you need it. There's many times that I've come down. And I've been tired, tired, tired where I could just lay down on the floor and, you know, sucking the, the uh, drapes off the walls. But, you know, you have to do what the Lord's showing you to do. So, you know, you come down and you start and it's like you get, you, the Lord starts quickening you. And there you go. Uh, so whatever it may be that the Lord has you to do, you know, teach, you know, go to the jail. you got news for some of you people here. Someday you're going to go to the jail. Did I say that? Oh, my, If it cat's out of the bag. No. But listen, if you're called on to go, it's going to be a tremendous experience. It's like a mission field every couple weeks. <laughs> Believe me. It's really, it's fun. It's fun. In, in the Lord's will, it's fun. <laughs> you never know what to expect. So, you know, so the Lord lays that in front of you and says, okay, now, Here it is for you. You know, you want to do it, you're done. If you don't want to do it, that's okay. You know, he'll go to the next person. I've seen it many, 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 many times. Goes to the next person. Not the original choice. But he'll go to them. He'll go to someone who's willing to get in, you know, in the yoke and go. They may not, maybe they won't do the job that somebody else would. But the Lord is going to, to see to it that the purpose is going to be fulfilled. See, that's the point. That's the point of it. And so, whenever the Lord lays something there before you, don't say, Well, I don't look and say, Why, well, I don't have the time, I can't do this. I, I, I think back, you know, when I was working full time, all my kids were young. I mean, it was pretty hectic, life was very, very hectic. And then I was teaching upstairs. I was teaching a Bible study out of the church. I was teaching in the Bible school two hours. And it was like, I look back on it and say, well, how in the world did I do it? <laughs> well, you have to do one thing at a time. Whatever it is in front of you, you know, you do it. And then the, wait, the, next, wait, the next one's coming right down the road here. Okay, ready. And you go do it. So don't say, that I can't do it, well really you can't. It has to be Christ in you. But don't say that I don't have the time. Look, my time's all it's all gone. Well, it isn't because it's funny. You know, we have so much time and we can fill that. It's so easy. Things fill our time so fast. If we're not doing something for the Lord, something else right there. It's right in there. This is the way it is. And so you'll see that You'll go to do it, and the Lord somehow will, will make that, um, that time available in your schedule. And you'll still get the things done. And if you don't, I, there was, I can't tell you how many years I went when I let things go in my house. I didn't do them. Summer after summer. Sometimes I'd, I would get these, I'd get these big projects and get them done. But a lot of stuff, I would, I would just let it go because I couldn't do it. It's just impossible. I couldn't do it. So, I mean, that wasn't my priority. If it got done, okay. If it didn't get done, there's always another job when you're done with that one. When you have a house. That's the way it is. So that they can't take up the focus uh, of your life. You have to you know, have him as the focus and what he has for you as the focus. And somehow, some way, these other things get done. I don't know how they get done, but they get done. And then I was going on the mission field. In the in late 90s, I was going to the mission field every year. And so that, that's like two, three weeks of your summer. It, it, was, it, was, quite, it was quite hectic at times. But see, so are you going to trust the Lord, or are you going to say, I don't have the time. I can't do this. We always have excuses. Hopefully the Lord can get us past that. You know, I remember when I was single, Like the old saying, when I was single, my pocket did jingle, jingle, jingle. (laughs) Well, that changed real quick. When I was single, I remember I had, I come home from work, I had the rest of the evening. I could go study, you know, I could do whatever, but I usually would sit around, I would study and do things like that. It's by myself, living in an apartment. But then when I got married, and four kids, it was like I was looking for 10 minutes here and there. <laughs> it's hard to relate to when you don't, when you don't have that, when you don't, you're not in that. It's hard to relate to. But see, God is God. And, you know, he says in Matthew that, that um, take my yoke upon, upon you and then what? What's he say? My burden is light. No, no. Learn of me. Huh? Learn of me. Learn of me. So, okay, now you have to agree with the Lord to take his yoke upon you. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When I was called upon to teach, that was a yoke, and it was pretty darn heavy. And the Lord set it right on me and says, okay, you're going to teach. I said, okay, <laughs> if you say so. You. All my inadequacies and all this other stuff that goes on. But see, if you take his yoke upon you, And learn of me. See, now your heart's open. Now you're going to learn. You're going to learn some things. Not from sitting here and listening. You're going to learn the hard way in reality. See, true learning is learning in reality. That you learn. And, you know, you find out that what somebody else said that you heard was true. But you you heard it. You believed it. But the reality of that wasn't moving in your life. You thought it was because you knew it. You knew it up here. You believed it. But when the reality of it comes, now it's upon you. The yoke is upon you. Now what are you going to do? You're going to trust the Lord. You, know, you trust the Lord. And you know, the Lord will take you in and out of so many things. I, you know, Me, I teach. You know that. I sit down, I study, I teach. That's what the Lord has called me to do, to be a teacher. So I've been doing this for a long time. And the Lord's changed things over the last few years especially, um, maybe the last four years for me. And I don't study like I used to many times. Sometimes I do. But the Lord says, okay, now, You're going to study. You're going to teach. And now I'm going to take you over here. (laughs) What's that? What's that? (laughs) What's that? That over there? So now, and I'm not, I mean, I could be an off-the-cuff guy, but that's not what the Lord has called me to do. So he says, okay, I'm going to take you to the jails. And now you're going to not go in with anything prepared, nothing prepared. Just go in there. And I have to hear the Lord. I have to hear what He's saying. And I'll minister from a couple of scriptures. And then we may sing a song. And then I say, "Well, anybody here have anything?" And one of the guys, if they don't, if they say all, if they all say no, that's coming back on me. So I trust the Lord; He's going to say, "Okay." And I've done it before. Um, up there, so this person gets up and they start to speak. So I have to hear the Lord and hear what he's speaking, if anything, through the individual to the people, to the men, and trust the Spirit of God to interpret that and give me what I need to follow them and to bring about what the Lord is, wants to do with these men, whether it's th- there's you know, bitterness in heart or you know, they need you know, this or that or whatever it may be. They need delivered. And, and so this is different for me. But I, I, I've learned something, that he's faithful. He's faithful. And you, know, you take the yoke upon you and you're going to learn of him learn of me. So your heart's open and now you're going to learn something different than you, were, you knew and were moving and functioning in before. So he puts you in there and see the yoke's not always the same. You know that, right? You know that, I think. Well, I'm telling you, now you know. The yoke's not always the same. So you could be in the yoke with the Lord and it might not even feel like he's there. Because you feel the strain. But see, if he wasn't pulling, you would never be able to, to continue. You, you couldn't. You don't have the strength. I don't have the strength. And so you go in a particular thing, and you're in that for a while, and then you start to function in that, and you're able to function in that so much so that you no, know, he's he's, you know, you can do it. Do it, and then he switches. says, I'm going to put a different yoke on you now, and see how this one fits you. Well, this doesn't fit too well. I don't think I I like this one too much. I'm used to the other one. It's nice, broken in, and you know, I'm I'm more comfortable in that. Well, it's not about being comfortable. It's about learning of him. You want to learn of him? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Well. We have a lot to learn. Do you know that? See, because you come to classes, and because you read the different books and the assignments, and because you hear all these wonderful truths, does not mean that you are functioning in them. The Lord is going to get you to function in them, and then you will understand Just hearing is good, but hearing doesn't mean that revelation is a part of you and working in you. It it will help you to hear it because now the Lord can set you up for the revelation to actually be a reality in your life. But just hearing it, I mean, I thought I I understood certain things when I was in Bible school. I heard certain things. I said, like, oh, I understand that. Boy, I didn't really, I found out I didn't really understand it. But later on, he takes you through things, and then you start to understand. And he brings an understanding now so that you can help other people. So be like this, like the ox, you know. Get in the yoke, serve. So you know. So the Lord can use you to serve others. And Paul says this. This is in Second Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. You see that. Why was he in uh, weariness, painfulness? hunger and thirst and fastings and cold and naked. Why? Well, he was in the will of God. That's where he experienced all that. And he learned of the Lord. See, that's why Paul had so much to give other people. That's why he had so much to give to the churches. Because he had gone through, the Lord had taken him through certain things and he learned of the Lord and he you know, had something to give. In Proverbs it says, much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Much increase. Okay, and then you know that in Leviticus we're not going to read these verses. Uh, that the ox was used also for sacrifice. No, or the, uh, the calf, I guess, I don't know. Let me see here. Turn to Jeremiah 38. You know what, let's just, uh, I guess we can read that verse. Jeremiah 38, verse 2. Thus says the Lord, this is Jeremiah to the people, He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes over to the Chaldeans shall live. Now he's saying that if you're going to stay in this city, you're going to die. But if you allow them to take you into captivity, you're going to live. it sounds like the direct opposite, right? If you go into captivity, you should be dying. If you were going to reason, you go to captivity, that means you're going to die. If we stay here and defend the city, we're going to live. But he said, that's why they couldn't understand nor receive the prophets. But he who goes over to the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, This city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore the princes said to the king, Please let this man be put to death. They're saying this of of Jeremiah. For thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remain in this city, and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people but their harm. Then Zedekiah, the king, uh, said, Look, he is in your hand, for the king can do nothing against you. So he's saying you, you do what you want. So what I wanted to show you here, that even though Jeremiah had all this resistance from the people, he continues to keep plowing in service to the Lord. He's plowing on. You know, telling them, the truth, telling them what they need to hear. And at one point, they take him and they they lower him into a dungeon, a pit. And um, they lowered him in. It says the bottom was, was dirt, and I guess the water seeped in, and it was mire, mud. And they lowered him into the mud, and there he was. Because why? Because... He's telling them the word of God, telling them truth, what's going to happen. And they're not listening to him. So he continues to, to move on, keep on going, keep on going. I mean, it would be very difficult to have to deal with a situation like that. And the prophets had to do that. And a lot of the prophets had to deal with the rebellious nature of the heart of the people. And, and they, they wouldn't listen. They would not listen. And uh, Jeremiah, he tells Jeremiah when he calls him, he says, I'm calling you to go and to preach to the people. And then he tells "How this is, to me, this is like, the Lord probably should have told him <laughs> something different or not even told him this. But, you know, the Lord does what he does. He says, you're going to go, I'm going to send you to the people, but they're not going to receive you. They're not going to listen to you. How would you like to know before you're going to go that they're not going to listen to you? That would be kind of hard to continue to go, wouldn't it, and to speak? I mean, rejection is something that's very hard to deal with. I mean, for most people. I don't know about everybody. I guess some people it doesn't affect them as much. But some people are really affected by rejection to the point where you know, it, it, it almost cripples them. It, it can be pretty bad you know, hopefully some of you, maybe, I shouldn't say that. I'll say hopefully some of you won't experience certain rejection. But maybe, you know, in the Lord's working in your life, maybe you'll have to experience something. So he's patiently enduring. Then you have the face of an eagle. Now I'm going to tie this all together here in a, in a few minutes. I like the first one here. The eagle refers to heavenliness. And what I mean by that is that there is a a high a a, a higher place, um a going up. Now, as I said before, well let me read this verse. Um this is Exodus. Um this is the Lord speaking. He says, you have seen, and I believe this is to the people, through it might be through Moses, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Well, you know, here it's, it's, it's very odd. I mean, the Lord says this. Now, if you stop and you think about what happened. So the people came out of Egypt, and they come to the river. And there's no way to get over to the other side. But we know the story. He, he parts the water. They go through on dry ground, and then they, they go in into the, uh, the desert there. Uh, and this whole scene from... Captivity in Egypt, being brought out brought to the Red Sea, through the Red Sea, out into the wilderness. And that's when they they were there praising the Lord and everything. So that's, that's the picture here in this verse. You see what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So here, over here in the desert, is where the Lord was here. He said, I brought you to myself. But they never saw the picture. They never saw that. But they're out they're out there in the wilderness and they're looking at this, looking at that. And he says, I brought you to myself. I, I bore you on eagle's wings. You know, it lifted you high out of Egypt. And brought you here. Now I wanted you out here. And we know you know he wanted to have a relationship and so on. And the failures. But the point is that he brought them out on in eagles on eagle's wings, eagle's wings, a high spiritual position. Okay, now, this is what I want you to see, and this is what I want you to write down if you're writing anything down. And as I said, we took the different faces of the living beings, and I was relating them to man, to us. But in the context of what we're looking at, this relates to the living beings, the living creatures. So we have man, the face of man, intelligence, understanding. The face of a lion, strength. The face of an ox, servitude. The face of an eagle, the high spiritual position or the heavenliness. Verse 12, we're back in Ezekiel 1. I'll have you write something down in a minute. Verse 12, or verse 11. Thus were were their faces, verse 12, and each one went straight forward. They went wherever the spirit spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. So they, they did not turn. They went wherever the spirit wanted to go. So there is perfect agreement with the holy spirit and with the will and the purpose of god so when you see here the function of the living beings you can you can write this down the function of the of the living beings were to carry out the will of god and this can describe Christian service. This can be a type of Christian service. To where you go, as it says in verse 12, they went wherever the Spirit wanted to go. In Christian service, you and I are to go wherever the Spirit wants to go. And we're not to turn to the left, not turn to turn to the right. They went straight forward in this service for the Lord, for the, the, the God, the God who sits on the throne. Straightforward. No, no, not being deterred in any way. They keep on moving in the, in the will and purpose of God. Go down to verse 15. Now, as I looked at the, at the living creatures, behold. Let me see if this is the verse I want. Uh, verse 17. When they moved... They went toward any one of the four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. So, so you have the will and the purpose of God. And, and in that purpose, see, the, the Lord knows. It says here that, we'll get to that, that they're full of eyes. They see everything. They see every direction. And they know what the Lord Once done. And they know the character that is to be displayed in that particular thing. Whether it may be the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, or the face of an eagle. That face will move out to move and accomplish that particular purpose, setting forth that character out there in that purpose. You understand what I'm trying to say? It's the best I can I can explain it to you. Whatever that purpose of God may be, whatever his will is in a particular thing, they know what face, what character is to be represented there in that particular purpose. And they go straight forward in that. And there's there's no turning aside. There's no deviation whatsoever in that. And somewhere in here it talks about their workings. I'm trying to find it. I think it's related to the wheels. Oh, yeah, verse 16. And the appearance of the wheels and their workings, and their workings, or their activity, or their business, their pursuit, their doing, related to verse 17, where. When they moved, they went toward one of the four directions, and they did not turn aside. Their, their working, or their activity, or their pursuit was the purpose of God. They did not turn aside when they went. They did not turn aside. And their, um, let's, look at, let's look at Romans for a minute. I'll read one verse here, one more verse, verse 14. And the living creatures ran back and forth, in appearance like a flash of lightning, so that they are quick to move to get done what needs done. Boy, if we were like that, huh? If we were like that. You know, how many here ever drag their feet on something? Well, I'll tell you what. I guess it's all right to drag your feet on some things. But when it comes to the Lord showing you something, it's best if we don't. See, this is set here for our benefit, so that we can see how these living creatures function. There's no hesitation. They do. They go. But is there hesitation in my heart? Do I you know, want to move like lightning to do what I need to do, to, to move in that purpose? When I see it, move in His will. Or am I going to be one who wants to drag their feet? In Romans 12... You know, it's good to have a sofa. <laughs> How many enjoy your sofa? Oh, yeah, I enjoy my sofa. I got my little spot. I chase everybody out when they sit in. And, and that's the, the kind of spot I like. I mean, it's right there. I mean, it's okay. I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's no big deal. But remember, when the Lord shows us something and there is to be activity in that. We're, we're to get up. Remember, let me show you a verse real quick. Colossians. Let me read a verse here. This is Colossians 2.6. It says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, that's nice. You've all received Christ Jesus the Lord, right? Yes, that's why you're here. The rest of the verse says this, if you you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. And the word walk is present tense, active voice, which means that we have to presently walk. And active, active voice means that the subject performs the action. So, if you are standing, you're standing here, right? Mm-hmm. You are standing. Mm-hmm. So present tense, he's presently here, active voice, the subject is performing the action. He is standing. So here it's a, you can so here it's saying that if you have received Christ, so walk. Presently, actively in Him. Very simple. Very basic. So it says here about the living creatures that their working or their activity was such and such. And they didn't deviate. Whatever the Spirit that's what they did. See, so whenever you know the Lord has something that you need to do. You need to be in the active voice. I don't mean your voice being active. I mean the active voice where you are the one performing the action. So you get up off the, the, the comfy sofa. Sophie. Sophie. The comfy sofa. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. The comfortable sofa. If I would have said that, I would have got it right. So you get up off of that, and then you, you do your, your thing, whatever the Lord's having you to do. So when you're done, you can go back to done. The Lord's not against you resting, you know. Or you know how soon it's real cold and you pull that, you know, blanket that's nice and warm up around you. Like a sherpa. Anybody have a sherpa? Put that sherpa around you. Like, ah, 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 I'm warm now. I'm cozy. I love it. I like. I never want to. I never want to get out of this thing. That's what Nikki used to always tell me. You know, your brother. That's okay. You now the, the Lord. Has clothed us and given us things. But see, when the call comes, we want to be as we see here. We want to remember that. Now, in Romans 12, verse 11, Paul says this not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Give me another translation. Do you have, a, what do you have, Sharon? You have NIV? What's it say? Not lagging behind in diligent, fervent, in spirit, serving the Lord. Romans 12, verse 11. Yes? Never lag in zeal. Zeal. In earnest. There and you go. Never. Burning with the spirit, serving the Lord. Burning with spirit. Mm-hmm. I hope someday There's that some you... There's a word here I didn't... I don't know. It's B... Aglo. Aglo. I don't know. Be a glow, a glow, like, like a spark, plug, like a glow. Be a glow. I hope someday that we know in our inner man that we are burning for him. Now, you hear all this, these songs they say, you know, they want to be on fire for you, Lord, fire for you, Lord. But, I mean, not caught up in the emotion. Sometimes people relate to that. But that's not what you know that's talking about. You can be in the Lord, functioning in the Lord, and you know, doing what He's showing you, and it's just, just something is it's just like the Spirit is in you. It's like something's just really taking you. And you just you know that you're you're on fire. And I hate to use those those words because that's a religious term that people you know, throw out there all the time. And, you know, what they think it is differs from person to person sometimes, depending on, you know, what they've heard as far as teaching and what have you. But, you know, you can be in the service of the Lord, and the Lord can do something in you to such a degree where there is this this welling up of the spirit in your life. And of course you do, you do what you do. You know, you function. You have to function in, in the natural here, but I'm not talking about that. That, that doesn't take away from um, the, the spirit just coming, and dwelling up in you. And uh, I've experienced this more and more recently. I don't, I'm not too sure why. But it's really good. So it's, it's good to serve the Lord. It's good to, you know, continue on in uh, whatever he's having you do. You know, for you, a lot of you guys is, you know come to, to Bible school, be in church and different things like that, uh, you know, but the Lord can have you do other things too. And I believe with, with a lot of you he will. It's a matter of time. Just don't be in a hurry. Just wait. And um, you you will see certain things, and it's going to be good. So in Ezekiel 1, verse 20, Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went. This is speaking of the living creatures and, of course, the wheels. Because there the Spirit went. I really like that. And the wheels were lifted together with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. So there's a perfect harmony uh, with the Spirit. Um, and there's a sensitivity, I imagine, uh, with the Lord's moving, you know, whatever needs to be done, wherever they need to go. You know they're they're being moved, propelled by by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so the servant of God, that's you and I. We are to be surrendered and immersed in divine activity, and that's related to whatever the Lord's calling you to do, whatever that may be. So verse twenty-eight. And we're going to come back to this next week, like the appearance of a rainbow in the cloud on the de- on a rainy day. So was the appearance of the brightness all around it. He's speaking of the throne. This was the appearance and the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So Ezekiel is seeing the glory of the Lord. Now we're going to look more at these verses next week into certain ones we didn't look at and certain things, for example, the wheels and so forth and, and continue to work, in, work down through this chapter here to get a, a little better picture of what, what he's uh, not just seeing but what applies to us in that because we're not seeing what he saw. You know that, right? We're seeing what he's penned. But we're not seeing what he saw. Because if we were seeing now in this class what he saw, we wouldn't be sitting and standing. Now that's not to say that you won't at a point in time see the glory of God. I believe you will. The Lord will show his glory to you. I have seen the Lord's glory in various ways. One of them, one of the ways was in the Word. I've said this before, where the Lord just we started to open something up. It's almost like, like I'm looking, and then this like thing opens up, and it's like it's not a little hole, but you look into it, and you can't see the end of it. But you know that it, the glory—it's the glory of God. He's showing you all these different things and how they're all together, and they're all moving in this. Graceful. Um, I don't really know how to explain it, but uh, you know how how it's all fitting together. And you see something in this, and the Lord opens that up, but you know you, you you're not seeing the whole thing. You're just seeing a little bit of it. And you know that you can't really explain it to anyone because unless they see something like that, they're not understanding it. So, however, the Lord may come to you in the future and show you his glory. It can be in a way you never thought. And you will see, not that you just see the Lord, but you're going to see something that's really not understandable. You'll know it's the Lord. You'll know it's his glory. You'll know that you have touched something but that's about all you'll know. You won't know much of anything. You'll just say, you know, um, you might start crying. You might just be in awe. You know, and just like you know, wonder why of all the billions of people on the earth that the Lord showed himself to you. It's like, who am I? It's like, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like this little teensy little ant over here. What are you showing me this for? Well, you know, he he may have a purpose for that. And in the scriptures here, you see this um, with various men. Now, I believe that others have seen the glory of God. But this description here is... um, very close to what you see, with, as I said before, uh, with Isaiah and John. So there is something, something there. there. There are living creatures, and they may look exactly like Ezekiel's saying, but he's always using the word likeness. So to me that says that they could be, in a different form of a, or appearance for another purpose, if you know what I'm saying. Be okay. Scripture has said, rivers of living water.